0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords.
1: And my name is Rick Sweet. This is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for the 375th show is author Dave... Koopman, who will be talking to us about the 100th anniversary of radio. Our history buffs are Ed Broders and Terry Topler. Terry, you get to start us off this time. All right, thank you. Yeah, Dave, I have a question about during the wartime years. What was the impact and influence of radio during those times? You know, I think of FDR's Fireside Chats or Churchill's uh, wartime broadcasts. Can you talk about that?
2: Well, uh, to some degree, yes. (laughs) Only because I've read about him. I wasn't there, and I didn't hear him. But, um, yeah, uh, let's look at the fireside chats. Uh, What that wound up doing was perhaps soothing the nerves uh, of, um, you know, all of our citizens. It also, uh, to some extent, uh, gave them an idea of, you know exactly what was happening, and I guess where the United States stood in the sense of uh, how involved were we? What was uh, uh, you know the our guys were getting killed over there, uh, but they were getting information on uh, how the war was going. The one that the. The broadcasts that I think probably tell the better story were the uh, uh, news reports from Edward R. Murrow and uh, his group of reporters where they were in London and talking about uh, the bombings uh, around London and what it was like to actually be more or less right in the middle of a war. Now, that had to have captivated the listeners
0: very well. Yeah. Um, Ed, have you got a question?
3: Yes. Um, It would seem to me, Dave, that uh, the advantage of radio uh, really became obvious during the war because you could get these literally live radio broadcasts. I mean, maybe they were at 3 in the morning, but you could get those, whereas TV didn't exist. And newspapers, um, of course, had to set the whole thing up and print it and distribute it. So radio had a really um, real advantage there. Um, and some of that came along, some of that journalistic uh, talent found its way into early TV. Uh, and for many years, um the TV, the major networks bragged about the, the news department as lost leaders. Um, that ship, of course, has not just sailed; it has sunk. Um, but did the same thing go on in radio, where these competing stations, or you know, there used to be national news networks? Um, did they look at it the same way? Was this as kind of a civic obligation to provide good news that's going to cost us some money?
2: Well, the idea of of uh, getting a radio license and the FCC has always maintained that the um, sh- let, let's call it the the air uh, it belongs to the citizenry and to get a license one of the requirements is to serve the public in some way well obviously news does that and I can speak from uh, when I did my history of the old KSTT radio, and, uh, you know, we're going back, uh, uh, Fred Epstein bought the station in 1955, and I was interviewing him in about 19, uh, must have been about uh, early 80s, somewhere in there. But one thing he always said was that, uh, yes, news in one sense didn't pay for itself because you had salaries, you had equipment, you had time involved in going out and getting the stories or maybe even sending people, let's say, to Des Moines or to Springfield or to wherever. But you had to do it because people wanted to know. And uh, I asked him about his old uh, talk show, and he said, well, he said, the thing is, people want to know, not necessarily uh, some of the news from the national sense, but they wanted to know what the siren, uh, or where the siren went down the street, or... Uh, what was going on at the city council meeting, so that they could get the potholes in the road in front of their house repaired. And um, yes, news would have been, you know, it, it, it cost a lot of money to put a newscast on, but at the same token, um, I think the public expected it, they wanted it,
0: um, they needed it. Brick, um, have it, you got a question?
1: Yeah, yeah. I do. Dave, Dave um, since we're talking about live reporters, uh, you know, Edra- Edward R. Murrow in the middle of bombings and whatever, when did uh, radio, when it morphed from Hawking Goods at uh, department stores, uh, morph into where it actually had news staff, where it uh, roved around newsworthy areas or events? when did when did that happen in the growth of radio?
2: I'm guessing that started somewhere in the early thirties um, and it really started to become uh, well um, it, it really grew in the years prior to the war and then you know of course during the war and then after the war but um, where where news really started to evolve had to have been sometime in the early 30s because it uh it was a natural progression of 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 what they could do with their public service with what the people wanted and also the fact that the world was moving pretty quickly at that time
0: sure sure um Dave, I have kind of two questions and they're not related to each other, but I'm hoping that that maybe <laughs> one is uh is shorter than the other and we'll okay. justify. So my first question is um I at least think of radio as an American invention. Um and so I'm at, I I want would like to know is that true and if it's true how did radio percolate to the rest of the world?
2: Well, it's partially true. Um Radio was being developed in England and in Germany uh, and the United States around the same time. And, you know, it goes back to the days of, uh, again, telegraphy and wireless telegraphy and um, how it was achieved. And then as the vacuum tube was created and um, you could actually broadcast voice and so forth. Then they started to look at uh, the, the science behind how it was broadcast um, and how that, that, that wavelength that carried the voice and the sound was created. So yes, it was I would guess it was, and I have to say that uh, the United States, that England and Germany, they all contributed, To each other, and um, I cannot tell you how it was settled on the exact uh, methodology of broadcasting, but in Europe, for instance, it was more done on the short wave bands as opposed to uh, the AM bands that we know of here in the United States. Um, and I can't tell you why that is. Um, I guess I've never really studied that part of it. Um, but when FM came about, um, there they, they both seemed to gravitate to the exact same science of the FM signal. And uh, that happened at the same time uh, for all three, uh, you know, all three countries that were working pretty much hard
0: on it. Okay. Uh, Terry, one more question. Yes, Dave.
1: Um, this being the hundredth anniversary of radio, can you take us back a hundred years perhaps to the first commercial radio broadcast with WWJ radio in Detroit, or talk about maybe some of the very famous people who worked for WWJ?
2: Well, with WWJ, no, I can't. (laughs) Um, I can tell you that it was probably um, what I would call a short newscast and some uh, organ or orchestral music with an announcement that uh, that music was brought to you by so-and-so's department store or so-and-so's mortuary or so-and-so's coffee and would you please buy it (laughs) (laughs) right
0: (laughs) absolutely
2: that that is i mean you talk about theater of the mind that's about as mindful as i can be with that question (laughs) all right (laughs) well i had
1: read that Will Rogers and Hugh Downs had worked for WWJ back then.
2: I see. That's interesting. Well, we can go to, uh, you know, some of the people that uh, worked around here in the Quad Cities. And, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you ever used to watch uh, Channel 9 in Chicago news, if for any reason there was for years a guy there named John Drury. He got his start here locally um the the one that really comes to mind especially if you enjoy sports is milo hamilton Uh, milo was a sports broadcaster right out of the university of iowa at WQUA, then went to kstt then went to st louis then went to chicago and uh then wound up in um where was it in texas with uh uh, broadcasting for a number of years the ball games uh, of oh boy was it the Houston Astros? Sure. I think so. But um, oh, Jess Marlowe for instance uh, the very first uh, he was a newsman on Channel 4 back in the days when they really only had uh, one good newscast a night on Channel 4 and uh, Jess was at Channel 4 for, I think, uh, two or three years, and he wound up out in Los Angeles, and he was the top NBC local newsman out there. Another one was, um, oh boy, and now the names, um, let me think. Uh, It's not coming to me. But he was the first real newsman on KSTT back in 1948. He then left for about a year and came back as the general manager. Then wound up going again, out gravitating out to Los Angeles, and uh, he was uh, the top CBS and later the top ABC local newsman on the air out there. You um, had some very good names of, of um, big time people, of course. We can bring it even newer than that to uh, Spike O'Dell for saying sure. out Sure, I was loud. thinking
0: about that too, sure.
2: Um, the guy uh, you know spun records on KSTT and KIIK fm and winds up uh, WGN and uh, was the number one top-rated announcer <laughs> in Chicago for a number of years, especially in the morning slot. And, uh, of course, he's retired now living down in Tennessee and loving
0: it. Well, good for him. Well, we would like to thank our guest for this 375th show, author Dave Koopman. We've been talking about the 100th anniversary of radio. Our history buffs for today were Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALAHD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 PM. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALAHD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio, all one word, in the search box. Click on the first icon and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at station KALA St. Ambrose University.